You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. So why do you think Dallas smells so bad? What? It doesn't smell good. It doesn't smell bad? What are you talking about? You think it smells good there? I did. I, that's not what I said. That's what I'm saying. It smells bad there. No, it doesn't. It smells like materialism. Where, <laughs> where are you going in Dallas? That... By the way, what does that smell like? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to insult Dallas. Really, you just, you're just looking for every opportunity. Yeah. To uh, nothing against the people I know and love that live there. I, uh, I some just of wish, my favorite people live in Dallas. I just wish they would move. Uh, the, well, I, I, I just I wish they'd come over here. Think they're there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah. I like the friendly rivalry we have. It's kind of like, you know, I can make fun of my sister. But if anyone ever makes fun of my sister, I'm gonna fight them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know? So, so you, you you can make fun of Dallas, yeah. but uh, people from Kansas City can't. Is that no? Right? Get yeah. out of here. Okay. Kansas City's way worse than Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> are, you t- are you just you're just gonna just gonna <laughs> disrespect all the city? You're gonna go through and just uh-huh. hit, hit them one by one. Uh-huh. And- There's some that are probably good. Like Boston's cool. Okay. I got nothing bad to say about Boston. Okay. All right. I don't know why. Okay. I think it's because I haven't spent as much time there. You spend more time there. Yeah. But Dallas, you know, I think everyone from Fort Worth hates Dallas and everyone from Dallas hates Fort Worth. I, and that's I don't think that's right. I don't think the people yes, in Dallas hate so Fort true. Worth. You want me to do a poll? If I did a poll and I polled the people who live in Dallas currently and said, would you move to Fort Worth if I paid you money? They would say no. And a higher percentage of people who live in Fort Worth would say no to the inverse of that question yeah you won't have to pay out much money on people moving would you i'll give you a hundred grand to move to dallas yeah it's not gonna happen exactly you wouldn't what do you what do you like about fort worth well what's your what's your favorite restaurant you go to my favorite restaurant yeah Ooh, i love righteous foods what do you like about that i really like del frisco's downtown steakhouse who doesn't it's yeah. very good, and I would say that that's definitely the best restaurant in town. I I would agree with that. But Righteous Foods, they have um, they have like really healthy options. They have good organic food, and it's 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 healthy food, but it's presented in a way that doesn't it doesn't slap you in the face. Yeah. You All know? right. It's not like, hey, try this. You don't like it too healthy. You don't like it too healthy. Yeah, like they they just it's just very high quality ingredients. It's very good. They've got unique flavors and unique options. Cool environment. They have a lot of indoor plants, which is nice. This this episode of Decidedly Sponsored by. <laughs> you asked the question. I don't know. I didn't yeah. know you were going to go on a five-minute promotion tour. I'm hoping or, for a gift card, guys. I, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Well, I love Fort Worth, and... I am really excited that we got to talk today to someone who loves Fort Worth, perhaps more than me, which is saying something. We got to talk to Maddie Parker. Maddie Parker it was newly elected as the mayor of Fort Worth last June in 2021. She spent several years um, working as the chief of staff for the previous mayor, Betsy Price. 
Um, she moved here 15 years ago with her husband and has been a part of the community and been a part of running our great city ever since then. As mayor, she's done a lot of great things, and I know that she will continue to do a lot of great things as she is the youngest mayor of any major American city and um, certainly my favorite mayor. I'm Sanger Smith with Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. When, when you look at your, your role and your role as mayor, what are you thinking will be the hardest decisions you're having to make? When you're the fastest growing city in the country, that's an opportunity, but it's also a lot of risk, right? You have to be able to plan well into the future. And we're making decisions right now that I hope I'm not mayor to see them come to fruition, right? These are multi-year projects that require a lot of planning in place. And in areas like mobility and transportation and infrastructure, um, we need to make sure we continue on the right path to, to sustain the growth that we're experiencing. Um, and so when it comes to hard decisions, what are the projects that deserve the most attention that have the best ROI, especially when it comes to transportation infrastructure? How do, how do you define the ROI as mayor? Well, I think for me it's um, the, the, where there's best partnership. So big transportation projects are a good example. It is not just the city that participates. It's TxDOT, North Central Texas Council of Governments, federal money, state money, and and to me, the best investment of time I can spend is on those projects that will have the best partnership and mean the most for community. I'll give you a good example. Okay. Is East Lancaster Corridor and that community deserves more attention. It, and there's it been a needs lot some of, attention for yes, sure, yeah. There's been a lot of discussion for years about maybe bus rapid transit system, expanding that corridor into Arlington, which used to be kind of, it really was the highway to the west mm -hmm. before I-30. And so the city of Fort Worth owes it to the community to think about a world-class infrastructure plan for Lancaster that is contact-sensitive for the community. What's con what do you mean contact-sensitive? You're so surrounded by neighborhood and potential business economic development. Gotcha. So what enhances, rather than keeping people moving through, you want them to be a part of the community. Mm. And the best example, we were just joking about South Main, that project, that public infrastructure project on South Main has spurred in a tremendous amount of private sector investment, right? Yeah, that yeah. was really a barren it area of the city. Yeah, and so Lancaster's a good example of that. So those are hard, hard tests. Right now we're facing redistricting, right? We're adding two seats to council. So we have to get that right on behalf of community. Everybody has an opinion. And so um, we're working through that and you'll, we'll make some final decisions in March. Um, and then as far as hard decisions, usually are those things that um, to me feel they most impact life and safety. Like those are the number one things. Those are the, that's really what your responsibility of government really is. And um, I can't give you necessarily an example right now, but for making sure you have the right leaders in those, especially in first responder positions, like our chief of police, Neil Notes, who's fantastic, um, and Chief Jim Davis, who runs our fire department. Those leadership positions to me are the most important. See, it's that's an interesting answer. It's different. It's a different answer than what I was imagining because as a, a financial advisor, I come to everything. You, you said ROI, and so my ears perked up. And I, so I'm thinking an investment from the city. We want a good ROI. I'm thinking tax base. I'm thinking revenue from uh, increasing, you know, property tax, yeah. uh, sales tax, all those types of things. So it's it, that's an interesting. I think a lot of people approach decisions that way. Like there are concrete thinkers, and there are people who are very numbers focused. 
and it gets really challenging to calculate the the return on an investment of time or money when the results are going to be intangible. And maybe for me it's unique. Fort Worth is not a strong mayor city. We're a city manager form of government. So we rely on our city management team, and we have an excellent team, to bring us opportunities that they can give the stamp of approval on. This is a good investment for the city of Fort Worth. And the community side of it is our responsibility on council to understand the impact to our community members. And so the, the things that you articulated that absolutely are get factored in, right? Um, but the city of Fort Worth, we live within our means as a city, right? And, and we're going to make sure that... And that's, that's not true with every city. No, it's but, not, you know. um, or any government. And so we make sure we're making decisions that are um, best practiced for living within our means within the city of Fort Worth and, and experiences high growth. And so I think any project we fund or any you know program or anything that comes out of our general fund or any other utility fund, we have to factor those things in also. Well, you, you were talking about Fort Worth being the fastest growing city. I, th- mm-hmm. I think I, maybe you told me this before. Um, that there's somebody moving into Fort Worth every 26 seconds. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably right. Yeah. The so Sanger has a contrarian opinion on this. He doesn't like that that Fort Worth is growing because you you have this uh, I, I, desire to keep it small and yeah. it's. It, I think that that's not uncommon for people that have spent their life here. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that stood out to me when you were running. I remember coming into my office and on the lobby that you walked right past when when you came in, we had a, a I think it was Fort Worth Inc. Magazine. Yep. They had a profile on you and each of the other candidates. I read the whole thing. And Cynthia, you know, who was up at the front when you came in, she asked me, she goes, oh, who are you voting for? I said, I'm about to decide. <laughs> I didn't know anything. And yeah, I said, I'm going to figure it out right now. Hal Brown will be excited to yeah. hear that, that was that was, but that was genuinely how it yeah. went. You know, I had, I had, um, like Deborah Peoples, I had, that was a name I had heard. Brian Bird, I had heard that name. I had not heard yeah. your name. Yeah, Brian grew up right around the corner from us. So you yeah. knew Brian. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I noticed that there was a distinct difference in the profiles. Mm-hmm. There were there were several different there were several differences, but the distinct one was that you mentioned the culture of Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and nobody else mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Every other candidate mentioned uh, attracting businesses mm-hmm. to Fort Worth, and maybe I misread, but you didn't mention that. Yeah, and that wasn't that you know I'm I didn't interpret anything by that other than that's pretty unique mm-hmm. that there's a difference. One person's focused on culture, mm-hmm. nobody else is. Right. And I, and that I I've noticed it in some of the things that you've talked about, but I'm curious how that factors in to the decisions that you make. Well, that's a good question. I think for me, one thing that I want Fort Worth to get better at is be less reactive and more proactive. So when it comes to economic development specifically, and what I meant by the culture of Fort Worth, we are a really special community, and it mm-hmm. doesn't take a rocket science to know it. But when you interview people that are new to Fort Worth, they've been here six months, a year, three years, five years. They will tell you, I've lived all over the country, and this place is special. People are kind. They care. They invest in you. It's it's incredibly diverse economy, diverse, you know, diverse constituency, and that's a positive for our city. But you can't take that for granted. Yeah. And if you are you if you are reactive, meaning you just take whatever's coming to you, growth wise, business wise, and you don't you don't really um, you don't focus on the folks that are here and the talent and the community that's here and try to retain what makes us special, then we're just going to be anywhere USA. Yeah. 
And that certainly scares me in Fort Worth because I think the reason people have wanted to live here, stay here, move here, grow the city is they recognize that. But you can lose that if you're not careful. Very easily. Yeah. And I think for Fort Worth right now, we're, we're a large city, over 350 square miles, which to that, to your point about being too big, we're lucky that we are sprawled. So yeah. We can have unique communities across our city and still feel small in your community. That's true. You can find your niche, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. But if you want to attract top talent and companies to our community, why doesn't it make more sense to be more proactive about, man, we want that company in Fort Worth? Yeah, they fit with the fabric of who we are or that industry specifically um, and be a little more selective, so to speak. And I think in a high growth city, you kind of have to consider that as well. Um, and in Texas, you're such a competitive sport. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to make sure for us a place where my boys are young right now. They're five and 11 and I want them to live here one day. Right. I would love for them to grow up and they can travel the world and do all the fancy things and then maybe come back here and have roots and. And I think if um, if we're not careful, that we could lose that. And I, yeah. I definitely want us to be cognizant. I think that's really encouraging for a lot of yeah. folks to hear yeah. because, and that's certainly how I feel. Is you know I I've I think I've been very fortunate to grow, grow up and be a part of organizations that are very prideful or communities that are very prideful. Like you know I went to A and M. Everybody jokes it's yeah. a big cult, right? Uh, living in Texas, everyone's proud to be a Texan. The the high school I went to, Heights, was like known in the city mm -hmm. as being the mo everyone was proud to go to Heights, yeah. and there's something about each of the and Fort Worth too, yeah. you know. It I've noticed that my whole life living here is that whether someone grew up on the north side, south side, east side, west side, they might have had very different lives, but the one thing that they love is Fort Worth, right. even though Fort Worth was was different for for each That's of those four people. Point. And that's not what I, that, you know, sometimes people are proud of their city. Most, a lot of people are, but not with the level of fervor. I think. Yeah. Do you think that probably had something to do, and, and love to hear your perspective on this, you know, that when we think back during all of the, the social protests that were going on some year and a half yeah. ago or so, it seems like although there were some in Fort Worth, it was not at the level that we saw in a lot of the other big cities. You say Fort Worth is one of the, the big cities. Uh, I think you even went to some of these protests, Sanger. And you, I, I you went said to, the, the to tone, the, see. But the tone yeah. was very different. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily protesting, but I was there to, I, I just wanted to talk to people. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't have felt safe doing that in Dallas right. <laughs> at all, yeah. you know, or Chicago. Well, and, and frankly, special thanks to Ed Krause, who was chief at the time in the, the police department, who made sure that we were allowing for peaceful protests. Um, and, you know, we're not perfect by any means. There's a lot of criticism maybe about how we handled certain things, but we've learned from that. And I've had lots of conversations with Chief Noakes about that in the future, how we make sure you, you have room for peaceful discourse and people have an opportunity to take to the streets on whatever issue it may be. But Fort Worth is... We, we do have to handle, and I like that you talked about the different neighborhoods and areas of the city and how people grow up. What I'm focused on in Fort Worth is there's sometimes a, um, depending on which political persuasion you are, certain words ir you know, irritate you, right? And for me, I kind of wish we just sort of put our guard down and say, we want everyone in Fort Worth to have a place that they are proud to raise their families in have a career, make a living wage, right, and be a part of our community, whatever community that is for them. 
And I do think we have sometimes neglected specific neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, no doubt. That yeah. need and deserve our attention and investment. And that's a responsibility I have as mayor and our council members feel the same way is to influence the investments to make sure all neighborhoods are thriving. It's it's super challenging. I was I was having this discussion with my uh, with my with my mom mm-hmm. uh, some year ago, and she was talking about a certain area of, of town, and she was really sort of saying we we've got to help this part of town, and where the discussion ultimately went was there were really difficult choices between how do you help the area of town versus how do you help the people who live in that town mm-hmm. that uh, maybe need a different type of support system than, than what we would like to see the, the town become in that area. How do you balance out the needs of the, the area of town, the community, the, the store owners and businesses and residents versus the people who are sort of populating that part of town who may need, uh, you know, very specific needs-based support, those, those types of yeah. things. We've learned a lot um, in the city. We started a neighborhood revitalization or improvement program and started with the Stop 6 neighborhood. I think that was in 2016. It was an initiative that our city manager, David Cook, started to spearhead within the halls of City Hall and said, hey, we're going to pick out one neighborhood every single year and make a special investment. We're going to choose a neighborhood based on data and demographics and need and make additional investment in that community. Everything from streets to sidewalks to curbs to lighting, additional security cameras, um, and and start to reinvest in neighborhood. And we've learned, to your point, about the difference between hard money investments, you know, that, that go in the ground versus those soft, tangible social needs and community. And every community is different. And so we went from stop six to Ash Crescent the north side, we're doing Las Vegas Trail, we're doing Rosemont. Every single neighborhood has had distinct needs and wants and has worked with city staff to get what they think is best for their communities. And what's wonderful about that is you're also seeing community feel like for the first time, maybe in their lifetime, the city of Fort Worth making additional investment in their neighborhood that they want to be a part of. And then at the same time, we're also meeting different types of business owners and homeowners. And they now you realize, hey, if you just had access to this kind of capital. So all those things are working together. Now we can layer those neighborhood investments that are happening with maybe, um, you know, we, we talked about like, like the Rosedale Renaissance area over in Wesleyan, right? That's yeah. a great example of public infrastructure partnership with Texas Wesleyan community. You're going to continue to see that type of mindset in the investments we make in the city. And then my, I hope one thing I can offer is the bully pulpit of the mayor's office to convene philanthropy, nonprofits, financial institutions, and others to come to the table and say, okay, we've done some investment. Now this yeah. is what's missing. And we can't do this. It's not the responsibility of government, but we need help from the community to get that done. And by then you've got relationships within the community to let them dictate rather than someone coming in to tell them what to do. Have you, with the growth that we've seen are there emerging trends that concern you? Or that, yeah. that Cost of housing, affordable housing is a big deal. And I actually had a great meeting today with some um, really leading, I, I, I think they're really entrepreneurs in affordable housing, understanding the needs there. Um, we have a wonderful, um, a few, several organizations in Fort Worth that are doing a great job. But I think we have to be mindful of different types of products in the inner city to make sure you're offering 
um, affordable housing for everyone and reminding people that affordable housing is actually for teachers and police officers and firefighters and first year out of college and others, families that deserve to make. Um, what, how are they defining the affordable housing? Well, just that. It just depends on what type of housing it really is. It's a tax credit product, depending on how much percentage of AMI it is. Um, and everything up to fully subsidized housing for like permanent supportive housing to help those that have been formerly homeless. Um, and then and then also partnering as a city um, to make sure that we're planning from a city plan perspective different products because we're learning Gen Z and millennials especially, they don't necessarily need the full yard, two-car garage, like, you know, maybe the townhome duplex product is just fine for them. So it seems like the, the philosophy has really changed about affordable housing over the years mm -hmm. you know if you think back you know just on the west side of fort worth you know downtown there used to be those the housing which is torn down now where the the thought was to build uh you know the people call them the projects but but housing everybody together in certain yeah. groups uh which clearly did not work uh long term and, and so the movement has really I, I think moved towards housing people in different neighborhoods and providing assistance yes uh, is that more of what you're seeing? It and is. and is, is that working better? It's working for Fort Worth. So Fourth Housing Solutions has done a fantastic job over the last decade. And they've utilized a program called RAD, or Rental Assistance Demonstration. And it's a program set up through HUD. HUD started to recognize these larger public housing developments were not the way to go. And we had two in Fort Worth, um, Butler Place and Cavill. Um, Butler Place is adjacent to downtown. In District 8, and then in um, Cavill is in Stop 6 in District 5. And we started with Stop 6 and, and we're finishing with Butler to um, allow residents a choice to move outside of the current development across into another affordable housing unit in the city of their choosing, usually a new unit. And then we're going to redevelop. Um, in Cavill Place right now, we won a $35 million HUD grant um, under Mayor Price's administration to redevelop that stop six project. They're gonna do senior housing first and bring back families. And it's gonna be beautiful housing in stop six, help with redevelopment efforts. And then we'll do something similar in Butler Place, but it'll probably be more on a private sector side. But the great thing about this program is you allow residents that had traditionally historically lived in that housing development to come back if they want to once the new housing is built. They get first preference to come back if that's something they wanted to do. Um, and it's been immensely successful in Fort Worth. And I don't know how many cities can say they now have been able to place those residents across the city and other places to redevelop. But I can't, I don't think it's not that many cities have done what we've done. Well, I, I remember when Fort Worth was first doing that mm -hmm. uh, some years ago, and there was a tremendous amount of uh, community resistance yeah. to it. Yeah. And thanks to the Housing Solutions staff, they were very careful and methodical about how they went about it. Mary Margaret Lemons is their CEO. She does a fantastic job. They have a really strong board in working with community members um, to slowly talk to the members of the community about what this meant for Fort Worth. And, and I think the really exciting thing with Cavill Place and Stop 6 is you're going to start to see that development take off and really see the opportunity for that community. Yeah. It, it would seem like that along with that, everything's sort of a domino effect, right? You know, as we grow... And you were saying, okay, well, with, with growth comes increase in, you know, housing affordability. With that, I would think that as you solve housing affordability, now you've got public transportation issue coming right behind that, I would think. Is, one, is that sort of, am I right about, is that sort of the next 
domino that has. So let me poll y'all first, and then I'll give you my little um, stump speech. Um, what are your thoughts on public transportation? specifically what you wish Fort Worth. In Fort Worth or in general? Yeah, both maybe. Uh, I mean, I've never taken any form of public transportation in Fort Worth. Um, the only one that I've ever considered is the train to Dallas. And I've heard a few Star Telegram stories about why I probably shouldn't do that. Okay. So. <laughs> would you be interested in using it if it was available? I would, hmm, I don't know. I'm willing to spend the money for the convenience, but that's. Okay. Well, I, if it was awesome, okay, because obviously go to New York, I'm not, it's like, obviously the default is the subway. Part of that is necessity of uh, logistically in New York, it's easier. But if it was great, if it was clean, if it was efficient, if I don't have to waste my time to go sit there and spend 15 minutes wondering when it's going to happen. I think if we had some intercity transportation like bringing people from stockyards to downtown bringing people from downtown to uh you know magnolia uh to the different parts of town uh to move people through the city as they they connect the entertainment districts you know for example you know our our transit system is is um powered by trinity metro um by half cents of sales tax that the city dedicates that um that I think it's pretty traditional um, bus system and also their hard work with Texrail and their partnership with TRE, which is wonderful. And I decided when I became mayor, rather than point fingers or be frustrated about what wasn't working or what is working, that I asked two council members to serve on the Trini Metro board. And that's a big ask because it's another committee meeting yeah. every month to go to. So Michael Crane on behalf of District 3 and then Chris Nettles on behalf of District 8 both serve on that board. Oh, no, Michael Crane. Okay, yeah. And our hope is they, they gain more knowledge on public transportation in partnership with Trinity Metro. And so as we partner on some of these opportunities in the future, we have better relationships moving forward. Um, just like any other industry, but maybe more than any in transportation, is tech innovation is completely transforming that industry. And so... What does transportation look like, public transportation look like into the future? No one really knows. We can guess. And so we want to be at the forefront of that technology, but at the same time accepting that right now there are people across Fort Worth that de- depend on our bus system to get to and from work and doctors yeah. and others. Um, and we need to make sure we have the most efficient, um, well-run system possible. And I think we're getting there. I'm, I, I have a great relationship with Trinity Metro, and I'll keep working on that. And then I am really excited about, in Fort Worth, these transit-oriented developments that, that um, integrate transit into the development from the beginning to create a relationship between the people that live there and work there and the system, if that makes sense. And that would be the, the Lancaster Corridor is a good example of what that could be. Any economic development opportunities we see will be a part of integrated into any kind of bus or future rail system on Lancaster. Are they looking at yeah. a rail system well, on future our plan is like you plan for the best so if the best is rail yeah then let's plan for that even if that's not the first technology that you so you mentioned te- so you mentioned technology using the state-of-the-art technology yeah. and all that so what do you what are you referencing there i mean i mean mm-hmm. so a few things so first of all let's if you stray from public transportation for a second and focus on um, the mobility innovation zone that alliance and hillwood have implemented it's phenomenal and that's mostly focused on air technology um, and air taxis 
and air transport for goods, that is, that is here, that is coming. Then you have autonomous vehicles, that is coming, right? What does autonomous vehicles mean for the future of public transportation? No one knows what that's gonna look like, but we could be on the forefront of that as well. Um, High-speed rail um, as a part of the Texas infrastructure will happen at some point, and we wanna be best prepared for high-speed rail between Dallas and Fort Worth and rebuilding the I-30 corridor that can also include high-speed rail. Um, and then lastly is this, this idea behind let's plan for the future. So if we put bus rapid transit on a line now and it's ready for rail in the future, great. And you see light rail in places like Kansas City that have been a huge boom. Those are expensive, very expensive projects. So you have to kind of do an analysis on whether it's worth it or not. Um, but I think that those are decisions that the city's gonna get to make in the next several years. Yeah, that'd be exciting to be on the forefront yeah. of that. You know, with the uh, drone technology, is it, I know Bell helicopters working on they stuff. Are, you know, yeah. Textrail in particular can take you from downtown Fort Worth to the airport and back, and we're looking for expansion of Textrail from downtown Fort Worth into the medical district to connect that major corridor of the medical district at the airport, which is really exciting. So, what are people who currently don't see any benefit to this? What do they say? in this process? What's the benefit to them, or is there none? There may not be, and so they may argue, why are you wasting cell phone yeah. dollars using it on something else? You hear that plenty. I've yeah. heard someone say, just give everybody that drives the bus a Cadillac. It's cheaper than providing bus service, literally. Some people want you Is to that pay. actually cheaper, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> why? Yeah, exactly. Um, then you hear people say, well, why don't we do like Arlington? They don't have public transportation. They just use the relationship with, they have a partnership with VIA. To get yeah, but nobody lives in Arlington. Well, they have 600,000 people. No, those aren't real people. <laughs> he's, he's got, he's, he has a negative opinion of anything that's not Fort Worth. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's your. <laughs> <laughs> you said earlier about, you know, the, the culture of Fort Worth and protecting that. And you, you, you mentioned that, whether that's a business or a city, that's really important to, to maintain it because you can lose it. And I think that's really, it, for business owners, that's important too, right? I'll just take the next client. I'll take the next customer and just grow and grow and grow. And I'll take whatever I can because I want to eat. And then you wake up a year or two or 10 later and you realize that you're not, you're not operating a business that you dreamed of building. Diluted your brand. Yeah, you've diluted your brand. You're, you're, you're inefficient with your resources, you're, whatever it is. You go, oh, man, I, I got into this because I wanted to work with this group of people, and now I'm generally just kind of doing something. Well, and I think for that's what I meant by these distinct neighborhoods and communities that we have across the city, allowing them to continue to be distinct, and we want nothing cookie-cutter. We want near Southside to continue to be this funky area of Fort Worth. We want it to be different than Sundance. We want it to be different than the future Panther Island. We want the cultural district to be distinct but at the same time paying homage to our history and heritage in a way that feels unique. And not to, to, to hate on Austin, because I love the city of Austin, I used to live there, but if you go there and having lived there before, man has it changed. Yeah. In a way you almost don't recognize your city. And a great example for us, I think where we're being successful right now is let's take Camp Bowie and the Cultural District. We're about to go through a huge, in the next two years, huge redevelopment with the Crescent and John Goff project right there adjacent to the museums. You go just a little bit further up Camp Bowie to Bowie House. We just broke ground on that hotel as well, what the Ellard family is doing. So they are both beautiful, world-class hotels, but they are distinctly Fort Worth. 
right? Yeah. The architecture, the attention to detail, the work with neighborhoods, you will still feel so proud of what's created there, but at the same time realize we're progressing in the right way and not being left behind. And that doesn't happen without a lot of hard work and partnerships on behalf of the city. And those are the types of projects. Another great example is the Hotel Drover and the Heritage yeah. Project and the Stockyards. Man, talk about a fight, right? But it has completely transformed the Stockyards. But when you go there, even having grown up there, you're proud of it, I bet. Like, this is a special place. I still feel Yeah, they like didn't dilute it. No. Yeah. And that took a lot of attention to detail. And in a project I was really proud to work um, with Fred Cavalier and his team on. So those are the types of things I mean by kind of maintaining what is Fort Worth. Yeah, and that's what's exciting for people that really appreciate Fort Worth and the history is because that's what makes us anxious about change is like, oh, well, what if what if you build a, you know, La Quinta in the stockyards? <laughs> you know, what if what if you build a hotel that doesn't fit? And and so quickly those those places can go away and they'll never come back. And I, I think to understand in order to protect it, you have to understand what it is that you're protecting, whether it's a business or a city or anything. I, even as, as passionate as I am about Fort Worth, I don't know that I could articulate what it is that we are protecting because it's not just that people are friendly. Mm-hmm. No. You know, that's a big part of it. Yeah. What, what would you say it is that we're actively deciding to protect? Well, if you think about the history of Fort Worth and how the city was created and what was our foundation, and people can, can hate on or want to move on from our Western heritage, but that pioneering spirit that made us really gritty and hardworking and roll up your sleeves and help each other, that spirit is still very much here. And if you kind of kind of come back to that heritage, I think that's what I, what I see in us. Like, you can have whatever slogan. They've had some great ones like where the West begins, yeah. the modern West, and Cowtown. And we're all of those things. We're Panther City, right? We're Funky Town. And what I've told people before is when they get kind of fussy about the new name, I'm like, who cares? Let let them own, let Panther City yeah. have a new name. Let it be Funky Town. That community loves that. Yeah. Right? I was telling him about Funky Town. You had never heard that, I, right? I had not. I'm not in the Funky Town no, group, I guess. That's a yeah. that's like an oddly racial like nickname. Yeah, it is. Is that you don't hear you don't hear a lot of white people call it Funky Town for what I don't know why. And my thing is it needs to, Fort Worth needs to be the communities that have that identity with it allow that to be organic and don't yeah. try to change it and don't try to force something else um, because you're going to naturally have an evolution anyway. Yeah. So I think it's really positive and I think it for me it's really fun to be mayor because you're in the seat where you see it all happening yeah. around you. The one thing I want us to be careful of and I think as Americans we should be careful careful of this is the tribalism that you're mm-hmm. seeing politically can absolutely and does filter into daily life. Yeah. And I think it's because we so much live on our smartphones and other technology and you lose sight of just being a good human being and listening better. And I don't want Fort Worth to fall victim to that. Yeah. And that can happen because all of yeah. these neighborhoods that you've mentioned, I, it didn't really occur to me until you started to talk about it, but yeah, Rosemont's still Rosemont, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it hasn't, it's not, it doesn't look different and that's cool. In, in a way, because of that culture has been maintained. Northside is still Northside. Right. And and all these neighborhoods are still what they were when I was a child. But when I look at Fort Worth, I go, oh, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these buildings are new, but overall the spirit of each little sector is still there. And part of that can be bad because the people who who went to Morningside, they don't ever come over here. Mm-hmm. 
and the people who who went to, who I went to high school with, they don't go to Meadowbrook. There's a there are, is a divide, and that's able to be maintained because each group kind of maintains its own culture and identity. Right, and I think for for our paying more attention to economic development is if you allow development and progress to happen across the entire city you run less risk of that um, tribalism and yeah. less risk of people trying to hold on to what's theirs because there's enough for everybody. And in a high-growth city, that's an opportunity that we have as long as we continue to shepherd that forward and making sure, especially in South and East Fort Worth, you're creating development there. Yeah. Yeah. So how how would you define success for you after your first uh, – when's your first year? Um, June will be one year, so we run every two years. Yeah. How are you going to be able to define success? Well, I think, you know, in the areas I want to focus on, education, economic development, transportation, mobility, um, those are just three really broad categories. Um, making sure we're achieving the short-term and long-term goals, we're on the right path, right? And we have those. Um, at least I do personally on what I think is you, you mark success moving forward. Um, and a lot of that at the first six months to year is just creating the right partnerships and trust platform for us to get some work done. Because any new mayor and any new council, it takes takes some time to get to know one another and gain rapport in the community. And and even though I have been in this environment for a while and have good relationships, I continue to meet new people. And and for me, I had to kind of shake off. People have this. It's easy for people to have a, a, a preconcept, pre- preconceived notion of you or you or anybody. And you can imagine, especially when you're in a public space, what people think of me is probably really different, you know? Yeah. I was raised on a farm in the middle of nowhere with no central air and heat. You know, like, uh, people think I'm a silver spoon kid, and I am not. And sometimes you just literally have to say, let's have a conversation. Like, let's talk about life. Let's talk about what, what got you there. And I only mention that because I've had to spend a lot of time sort of shaking off the perception of who I am and who I'm not and you're Republican or you're too liberal or you're too conservative or you have this background or you worked for so-and-so, like who cares? Like the, the work needs to demonstrate value on its own. So at the end of this year, those partnerships will be most important. Do I have a focus on what I want to accomplish in year two and year three? And importantly, what does a handoff look like? Because good leaders are ready to leave the job at any moment and, and be prepared to pass the torch. And I want in my generation of leadership, I think, I think I have an obligation to make sure I leave it better than I found it, and I'm preparing the next generation of leaders to be strong leaders in whatever they're doing, business or civic service or whatever. And, and I think that if we're, if, we're, if we're successful, those things will kind of be notable in our administration. I'm curious, what is, you know, you've mentioned a lot of projects, and the first time I heard you speak, I was so, I was really surprised and I, I hope that you don't perceive this as an insult i was surprised as as to how much you knew about what you're talking yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. you you didn't have to think and and even in the conversation here it's like you you you, you know everything that goes into the role of being a mayor and yeah. that's only surprising to because i don't talk to mayors sure. <laughs> you know it's not about you it's it's like i know nothing about these things i'm just some guy who lives here yeah. and so to hear about all these oh wow it's a lot more complex yeah. but you you have to make a lot of decisions decisions on how what to protect decisions on you know what projects to to focus on what projects not to focus on so far and i know it's not it, not even to that one year mark but what's been the most significant decision that you've made in your term as mayor um so far ooh 
good question. I'm thinking about that. Um, well, <clears throat> I won't point to any particular thing. I think what's important to me is I make decisions that are in line with my values because at the end of the day, I'm still Maddie Parker. I'm not just mayor, and I have to be. I have to hold those decisions with a high level of integrity. So, not letting go of that because, to your point, there's always going to be a competing interest. Someone yeah. wants you to do this for this reason, or what has influenced you, and I got to kind of block that out. Um, but we're making some decisions right now, especially to support education opportunities for students that will start to roll out in the next month or so that I'm so excited about. And they're not necessarily hard decisions. They're just really methodical. The partnership has to be right. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm not going to start another nonprofit. I'm not going to yeah. tell people what to do. It's using my years of experience. Now, this actually could move the needle, and I'm putting the right power players at the table to make it happen, if that makes sense. And then internally at the city, I think some of the most important decisions we're making are actually focused on police and community relationships. I am passionately supportive of our police officers, and I am not afraid to say that. And I think in a lot of ways, the defund the police movement was so damaging to policing in general. And I want Fort Worth to stand up and be different. But at the same time, I acknowledge that we are imperfect, that there is always room for improvement. And we have a police chief in Neil Notes and his command staff that are phenomenal. They are making the right strides in community member with community members. They are trying to focus on changing the perception of police in certain neighborhoods. And it will be successful because of their leadership. And they deserve to have a mayor that's going to stand up with them when necessary. And or really all the time. And if you look across the country right now with rising crime mm -hmm. and difficulty attracting officers, retaining officers, Fort Worth, when it comes to our police department, we are, we are still outperforming other cities. And I think it's because of this culture of support that has to remain. And I'm okay taking all the bullets for that. You know, if people want to criticize me, fine. But I believe in it fervently that that's a job that I want to maintain is being in support of our police officers. But also the hard decision or, hard, you know, hard um, work you have to do with community that have felt wronged for whatever reason or haven't had strong relationships. And listening carefully and working together. And I'm, I'm really lucky to have that partnership with Neil to make sure we get it right for, for our community. Yeah, that's it's respectable to hear you say that because that's not you, you might be the mayor of the largest city with that viewpoint. Yeah, and, that may you be know. true, and I think they're wrong, and I'm gonna prove wrong. Yeah, right. well, and they've they've seen their. I don't know how they haven't seen the negative consequences of this position that they've taken of going to the extremes of of bashing police and then turning around six months later and saying, "Oh no, we really need the police." Right. And being surprised that nobody's there to answer that call mm -hmm. um, after they just got, you know, disrespected yeah. by the mayor of their own city. Well, and, I, and that's happened in Chicago, Portland. That's you can go down the list. yeah. And I, <clears throat> I've said this a lot that we ask our officers to literally be all things to all people all of the time. They need to be experts in everything, and so we've also had to pay more attention to helping them have the resources they need to be the strongest officers and do the you know, do the best job possible. So. If that's, if that's our crisis intervention team and mental health supports, if that's our homeless intervention team that really helps on the HOPE team in, in, in the Lancaster corridor or to help homelessness in general, if it's, um, if it's, it's additional mental health services for officers, it's family supports, they deserve all that and more um, to be the best at their job. And it just really frustrates me. And it's like, to your point, like, 
you call 911, officer shows up and saves the day, but next day you're criticizing. Just recognize how difficult that job is for a second. And it is, they are making life and death decisions as we sit here right now. Yeah. Um, and the officers are getting called in for overtime right now to prepare for this winter storm and our firefighters, and we're all going to get to go home for a snow day. You know, they're going to be out there keeping the public safe. And so I just want us to restore a little bit more humanity into how we talk about our first responders. Um, and I'll own that as mayor, and it, it needs to be top down. Shout out to Officer uh, Hadid this morning who jumped my car. So I'm I'm in the parking lot. I'm over at Yogi's. I yeah. grab a bagel. I come out. It's just like this. Uh-huh. It's a 50-year-old car, so it's just a classic car. It just, of course, <laughs> won't start. Uh-oh. And I'm like, crap. What am I going to do? You know, you think, yeah. okay, who am I going to call? What am I going to, you know? And so he's he's parked right in front of me. And he's in the he's in his, you know, cruiser. He kind of sees me, <laughs> gets out. And he's like, he's like, you need a jump? I'm like, I guess so. I get we, we can try. And uh, so he helped, you know, so anyway. That's yeah, great. so you know him. That's great. Yeah, he was super helpful. Yeah, you you want to avoid the embarrassment of having to ask somebody that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, he, I didn't even have to ask. He offered. He came up. He got out of his car and came up to me. You know, it was about the only time I've seen a police officer approach my vehicle, and I was happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Usually they have a scowl on their face. Well, I've got one last question for you. And I've noticed that um, people call you by your first name a lot more often than other mayors. Uh-huh. Okay. Honest, how do you feel about oh, that? That's great with me. I think the It feels disrespectful. I don't want to call you Maddie. That's weird. I just think that's, I think titles are stupid. I do. I think, look, I really do. Here's why. Um, I, I am, I'm squinting my eyes, but I yes, go ahead. This, I earn the respect from people without the title, right? If someone wants Fair. to call me Mayor Maddie or Mayor Parker or Maddie, I don't care. Um, you'll know from me if I thought you were just respectful, <laughs> irrespective of how you referred to me. Sure, right? yeah. Um, but I mean that because, okay, let's take, let's take, Congress right now, mm-hmm. how dysfunctional it is, and how everybody acts and behaves in this bubble of Washington, D.C. I have no interest in that. I just want to do a good job for my city. Um, and I also, I like you, I love the city. My husband and I lived here for 15 years. We are raising young children. We want to be a part of this community. I want nothing that separates me from real life. Yeah. And I, I appreciate, some people are really particular. They want to call me mayor. Wonderful. But if someone calls me Maddie, wonderful. I do not care. Okay, thanks, Mayor Parker. There you go. Okay, Appreciate it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, can't I can't do it. My takeaways from a discussion with Maddie, really, my my first one is when looking at decision making, that it's important to have clearly defined how you are categorizing certain certain things. So what I mean by that is, I had asked her about ROI. Now, to me, ROI is you know, return on investment in monetary terms. If I invest yeah. $100,000 and I get 100, you know, 110 back. Okay. So I had asked her about that, and her, her answer was around partnership involvement, which was an answer I was not expecting. And so to her, a, a positive return on investment is how many people are involved and enrolled positively in that expenditure, uh, whether it's volunteer organizations, uh, other governments, uh you know, the residents, those. So I thought that was a really interesting way to define uh, ROI for her. Yeah. And, and that informs the decisions 
which are very different from how perhaps you would if your ROI uh, definition was just monetary or tax base increase. The I other it's was to, it's interesting to be to to view those types of decisions in that way. I think that's a gut instinct for most people is to say, okay, well, if I'm evaluating the return on the investment, you know, then I put dollars in, I got to get dollars back. Right. And that's not always the case. I mean, we make investment in ourselves to, to learn. Well, right. sometimes we're able to calculate that and say, okay, well, I paid this for a college degree and it's going to raise my salary by this. Therefore, the investment is worth it. But other times, you know, how what type of return on investment are you getting on your yoga classes? <laughs> right. right. Who right. knows? Right. Who knows? So, you know, what are the return on investment on, on health-related benefits, for yeah. example, and those yeah. types and of so things? Yeah, and so when you're I, – I think it was interesting because I had never – I hadn't put it through my mind that way. Yeah, I had before not Before, I'd see some politicians talk about certain investments in, in public projects, and, and I would think to myself cynically what you thought, which is, oh, well, you know, that's just an expense. It's just an expense. How are we as a city getting our money back? How is we as a state or a country – but that's important to understand in any decision. If I'm going into this, what do I hope to get out of it? Yeah. What, and what would I have to get out of it to make this worth it? Well, I, th- I think the challenge is many times is when you're looking at making a decision is defining what that ROI is, is that, that that may not be the best definition. In other words, monetary return may not be the best. You know, and well, looking yeah, outside of those things, I think is many times, more often than we give it credit for, might be a good idea. Yeah, we we kind of did that with this podcast. We didn't start and say, "Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna spend all this money and time, and by year two, we're gonna be making half a million dollars." No, we didn't think about that that way. We knew that the return on investment was the experience that we would have, the the learnings we would have, the connections we would make, and how we would grow as individuals by being able to talk to people like Mayor Parker and other people that we've right. had on the show. But we had to know that before going in. So that once we got there and we turn around one day and go, oh, wait, wait a second, is this worth it? Well, it's easy to answer that question and say yes, because we knew exactly what we were hoping to get. Right. If you, if, if you looked at, at, at something like a podcast and said, what is the return on investment? Can you, are you monetizing business endeavors? Uh, then you would say, oh, this, you know, no, you're not. Yeah, I'm not trying <laughs> so, to. Not trying to. So I'll, I'll give you another example. So we, she defined success. I was asking her specifically about uh, rail or public transportation. And she was talking about how that moves through the city. And she said, we want it to be successful. I said, well, how are you defining successful? Now, my definition of that would be how quickly can I move this person from point A to point B? Yeah. Right. And how efficiently can I do that? So how cheaply, how rapidly can I do that? Her definition of success, she said community contact. Which, which I was not prepared for. And so that's got, and I think that's a praiseworthy goal, but it's not one that I would have factored in in making my decisions. That's not why I'm not mayor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that and, that and several other reasons, I'm sure. I think it's, it's interesting talking to her made me realize um, that there is a, there are some people, and, and I might have been one of them, that said, well, you know, the leaders in our government need to have like run a business before. You know, those are going to be the best people because they really understand how to get things done. Well, okay, yeah, true. But someone who was a business owner, I exclusively had no public sector experience, didn't have any experience in government at all. 
probably isn't going to think of the things that she is outlining. Right. And, and we've had politicians that have been in positions of power that have only had business experience who, who failed to look at all the, <laughs> all the constituencies <laughs> the yeah. way that she outlined. I'll give you another example. We were talking about uh, trends that concerned her. And one of the things that, and, and I would look at, you know, I would expect an answer like uh, crime or something, you know, something urban sprawl, what, you know, whatever it is, normal answers. Uh, what she said was increasing housing uh, affordability or you know, increasing housing costs. And looking at what the, the city government has to do in that in terms of providing support for people who need public housing assistance and things like that. And it's, uh, it's interesting because it goes back to that same point about how are you thinking about what is success? How are you thinking about the constituencies that need to be addressed? How are you thinking about what is the return on investment? And really thoroughly evaluating what are, we, what are you trying to do here can really inform decision-making, for, for better or for worse. Well, I think it's only for the better, right? If well, hers is for the better, but I'm saying if you've not done that thoroughly, you're going to end up with worse decisions. Yeah, yeah. But understanding what the ideal outcome is or what you hope to have happen or how you define success, that's critical. And it's really easy to not do that. It's really, especially like as a team, it's easy to expect that other people define success in the same way that I do. And that's not the case. We, You and I might have a different version of success. And if we don't agree to what success is before we start making choices, we're going to frustrate the hell out of each other. And that's only amplified when you're leading people. That's only amplified when you're the mayor, I'm sure. So it's it's amazing how good she is at that. Because that's a real real skill in mastering decision-making and and defeating bad decision-making, to do that methodically and meticulously define success and really have a good understanding of it. It's, it's in the same sense understanding what that ideal self is as we, as we make values-based decisions and, and seek alignment in life with our decisions and our goals and our actions. That's, that's so key, but it can, it can be applied in areas where it may seem as if our values have less of an impact. So in, in business goal planning, in city planning, in anything, I think that that was, that was one of my biggest takeaways from, from her. And it, it, we, we kind of touched on it um, in a couple of different ways, but even on the, even in the areas where culture or where success is harder to define, like protecting the culture of Fort Worth, what does that mean? Well, I got to understand what the culture is. And I've heard business owners talk about, well, I want to, we want to protect the culture of our team. Well, what the hell is your culture? And not just the core values of the company. Like, really, what is the culture? How would you articulate it? If I asked every single person, what would they say? And when I asked her about what, what's the culture of Fort Worth, she, of course, had a better answer than I would have had, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> but... But that was encouraging to know, hey, this is actually something that she's thought out. She's trying to protect the culture of Fort Worth. And, of course, she has thought it through to understand it's more than just people are friendly here. It's more than just we got a, we got the big city and the small town feel. It's more than that. 
it's it's a pioneering spirit that informs the art that comes out of this city, the, the entertainment that comes out of this city. And and if your business, your understanding of your business's culture, your team's culture, your family's culture isn't as thought out as her answer was to the culture of Fort Worth, you're never going to be able to protect it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Decidedly. I hope you learned something. I know I did. If you thought our show was five-star worthy, please check us out on iTunes and give us a five-star review. It really helps out a lot, helps people find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. Check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Until next time, I'm Sanger Smith with Sean Smith. This is decided. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Decidedly Podcast. To be notified when new episodes are released, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, drop us a five-star review because it helps more people defeat bad decision-making right alongside you. For show notes, decision-making insights, more episodes, and links to resources mentioned in this episode, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com. If you'd like us to help you make a decision, leave us a message at decidedlypodcast.com slash make my decision for a chance to have your question featured in an upcoming episode. For more decision-making content, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Decidedly Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. This is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.